on this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show. We're talking event updates from Sound Rider. Buell is back, and a local Seattle company tests the motorcycle apparel market. All that and so much more on this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show. Support for Sound Rider and the Sound Rider Show is made possible by Skagit Power Sports. Check out the North Sound's largest selection of bikes from names like Yamaha, Kawasaki, KTM, and Suzuki. Located just off I-5 in Burlington, Skagit Power Sports also features a large selection of riding gear, apparel, and an experienced staff to help you along the way. Visit Skagit Power Sports today. This is Chef Jeremy from Pecos Pit Barbecue. Let's open up the smoker and get the show on the road. Now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcycle riders from across the Pacific Northwest and around the world this is the Sound Rider Show, the show where under the Ides of March, we celebrate a return to springtime weather and all the paths to moto glory. Joining me in that campaign, publisher and founder of Sound Rider, Mr. Tom Marin, and channeling my inner Marcus Eurasis, breaking bread with DR350 riders from all over the globe. I, of course, am self-appointed editor-at-large. Derek Roberts. Tom, springtime. It's March. What do you think, man? Is there a book coming out of all these intros you do? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta have it, man. I, I do the best I can with what I've got. Let's just uh, let's just say that. Would you like to know a little bit about uh, Marcus Uraces? Are you interested? In yeah, what is that? All right. So here, this is, uh, this is kind of all new to me. Uh, so the way I, my process for this is I learned a little bit, you know, I was thinking of intro and I thought, okay, Ides of March. So I had to look that up. turns out that's a Roman, uh, phrase about, uh, under a full moon. So it's a, that's the intro to springtime is okay. Ides of March apparently. And I said, okay, Roman, let me think, uh, who are some ancient Roman personalities? And the first person on this list that I was searching was Marcus Vergilis Eurasis. And apparently he was a self-confident joker and wealthy self-made man who must have made a small fortune out of a chain of bakeries in first century BC Rome. And I thought, well, that seems good enough for me. So, Wow, somebody owned a chain of bakeries in first century BC Rome? Uh, apparently, yeah. And uh, also it sounds like uh, there is still a well-known tomb to him that you can apparently visit. This is... Uh, the tomb of Marcus Eurasis, the baker and contractor. Wow. Go figure. The more you know. The more you know, the better it gets. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think, other than uh, being on the hunt in springtime weather, as hopefully we'll get into here, other than being on the hunt for the next great bakery, what uh, what are some of your plans? Are you going to get out and try to, to stretch the legs, so to speak, a little bit here? Well, um, yeah, I'd love to if I could get all these potholes fixed between my driveway or between, you know, the street that goes up to the main street. But And 
you know, not just locally, but I think that's going to be a real challenge for Washington in general this year because we've had so many record snowfalls in some parts of the Cascades and a lot of freezing and thawing on the highway and that kind of stuff. I think it's going to be a bumpy year. Well, it, it, you know, we typically do get a freeze and a thaw uh, pretty much almost every year here in the Pacific Northwest. This year we got the snow. Some years we don't get much. But we got hit with a pretty good snowstorm, and there's a lot of broken up streets um, near me where I live. Uh, 130th is a mess. Greenwood Avenue is a mess. Um, I had chucked in on the uh, Seattle Public Utilities app uh, all the potholes on 125th, and they fixed those. But I also put in all the ones on Greenwood Avenue, and they haven't done anything. So I'm wondering if that's getting, like, new pavement or something this year. Well, something tells me that probably not. They are probably just ignoring or postponing your request on the latter half of those pothole fills. But now I know why, if there's uh, in any other parts of the city, if potholes aren't being filled, it's because you've got the team working 24-7 on your request. Yeah, I, I like to hog the pothole rangers for sure. <laughs> All three teams of them. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting thing, and there's some pretty deep ones out there too, and you just wonder. I mean, it's... Yeah, know, what's it like downtown? You know, it's it's pretty bumpy down here still. And I've said it for years, and I, you know, I think we both share this sympathy, kind of riding an adventure bike or something a little more adventure-oriented with longer suspension travel in addition just to having that upright seating position in traffic, you almost feel like you, you you need that suspension travel because of some of these potholes. You just you, If you're on a sport bike, I can only imagine you hit these things at 40 miles an hour. Oh, my know? God. Some of them you could put a basketball into. That's very true. That's why you know don't go anywhere without a 21-inch front wheel. Yeah. God forbid you're on a Grom. You end up in a, another dimension. Exactly. Exactly. But that's, uh, well, well, you know, I know like Ballard is typically really a mess. Like Market Street, they, they, they do almost nothing to Market Street because they have that slated for like a 2024 repavement. And they don't go in and fix all these potholes, and it's, it's horrible. Yeah, and of course, that's, uh, you know, speaking a little ultra local here to the greater Seattle area, speaking of Ballard. But what do you think? Because you remember a few years ago, we talked about an article. I think Oregon was rated 10th best in the country for uh, for roads. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. I just wonder what our friends down in like Portland or Eugene or out in, say, Boise, you know, going to, to Idaho. I wonder in other parts of the Pacific Northwest what people are experiencing. I haven't talked to anybody down there lately, so I don't know. Well, time for a road trip. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> if, you're, if you're doing cafe to cafe, report back to us. But if you're if you're planning out some spring and summer riding, Oregon, because they do take such good care of their roads and they're not always playing catch up and they don't have uh, crazy stuff going on. Like, you know, the way the pothole rangers work in Seattle is they just fill it up with asphalt and uh, punch it down and leave. They don't. They don't put a seal around the uh, around the repair. So then the water goes back in, and it's gone within one to two years again. But down in Oregon, they really do a nice job taking care of the roads. So maybe this is the year for a trip into Oregon. 
Well, I'm pushing for, uh, you know, a few years ago when Amazon, uh, Amazon, when Domino's did that pothole campaign where they were filling it in with the uh, the Domino. Do you remember that? Yeah, but they wouldn't let them do that in Seattle because, you know, well, they, they, they have their pothole rangers and the pothole rangers do well, that. Well, I would have pushed for Amazon to do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, we could figure out something there because they've got, you know, that has to have an impact on their trucks. Well, I was thinking, though, you know, since so many people who work for Amazon work at home now, maybe maybe uh, there's no need for it. All that yeah, empty th- space I downtown. Gonna, I thought you were going to say with that extra time where they don't have to uh, dedicate it to commuting, you're going to give them a shovel and some asphalt and get them out there tamping that down. Yeah, everybody working at home needs a little exercise. Get out there and help out. <laughs> Just, uh, just one of the many suggestions I'm sure to come here in this uh, Ides of March show here. But but you do need to be careful. You do have to uh, you have to be very conscious of, you know, leaving some space if you're riding uh, with the car in front of you so that you can see these as they come up. Because you're only if you're limiting yourself with reaction time, you know, not even if you're tailgating, but just being close up on the car in front of you. And bam, that appears and you're dead center on it. That can be a that can be a. Uh, a knuckle-clenching experience. Yeah, I came across another interesting one the other day. You know how uh, people put their furniture out on the side of the road so that someone who wants it will pick it up and take it? Yeah. Uh, so somebody put out a glass desktop Wow. on the side of the road, and that night somebody hit it with a car, <laughs> and there's just broken glass everywhere. Charming. So on the third day... I finally went down, <clears throat> picked up a five-gallon bucket, a broom, a snow shovel, and a dustpan because nobody cleaned it up. And that's you know that's super dangerous if somebody rolls into that or whatever, and and and, and pedestrians too. So I don't know, it's crazy stuff, crazy times. Yeah, that's uh, you doesn't seem like a good look to put a uh, glass table out there or a glass desk or, or whatever. Not really a, a smart move by somebody there. I and, wish and, I could say that I was shocked. but And, and you know what? A couple of days later, somebody had taken the frame. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were going to cut a piece of plywood and drop it in. I don't know. Well, I uh, – I, you hope that uh, these instances will, will start to dissipate, but I don't think it's going to be the case. I think that we're going to continue to see potholes and strange things on the side of the road for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, but for, we'll talk about that a little bit more later on in the show, too. Yeah, There's let's get back on stuff. track to some motorcycle stuff here. Speaking of the future, what is the landscape looking like for Sound Rider events? So uh, we talked last month about the events. I think we kind of talk about it every month right now just yeah. to keep people up to date. Um, so uh, when people hear this show, the uh, initial packets of Cafe to Cafe information will have shipped out to everybody who signed up. So that's happening. Um, we've got the rally in the gorge coming up. We're still on track for doing that in the last week of August, September 26th through the 29th. And uh, there is no road trip tour this year, but we do have all the books and GPS files from the prior years. And the same is true for the Sasquatch. So that's 
that's what is happening and and what is not happening unless you want to make it happen yourself and buy some of those self-guided tour books. Uh, along with that, we made a decision this month, well, let's say February, um, that we will not go to the BMW rally in Montana. So you won't see us there if you go there. It is going to happen, um, it, and this all revolves around basically access to the vaccine. I don't, I don't, because I'm so young at 61. <laughs> I don't have access to the vaccine yet, and there's no date for when I will. So I just have to say, hey, I'm not going to do it. And also, you know, a lot of uh, you know, four or five thousand people congregating somewhere in Montana. I'm not so sure that's a good idea, even if you got the vaccine. So we decided we're not going to go out there this year. But we wish them well. We hope it goes good for them. It's going to be a tough one, I tell you that. Yeah, well, you know, everybody has to pick their spots a little bit. And, you know, I'm sure that there will probably be uh, some people who just use it as an opportunity maybe to just ride in some of the great uh, on some of the great roads in western Washington and Idaho, too, and maybe just make a quick stop in there to adjust their travel plans. But it's uh, obviously this is one of the biggest, you know, well, maybe the biggest BMW event usually in oh, it North is, America yeah. anyway. So um, like you said, we wish them well and we hope that things work out because it's, it's historically been a, a terrific event with lots of, lots of good people. Yeah, we've enjoyed it. We, we were really looking forward to it. Um, we weren't actually going to camp at the facility. We were going to go over to the KOA in Great Falls, Montana, which is the, the very first and probably the best KOA where they have outdoor kitchens that you can use. And uh, really, really nice. You know, we don't have an RV, but we have – we'll just set up a tent. I've camped there before. Really nice facility. So uh, that's a good alternative. Hey, look, see, we're already doing tips and tricks. Yeah, that's right. Good alternative to to camping at the fairground, even though the camping is included in your price of admission. But the problem at these large rallies is there's only one shower truck, and it fills up all day long and all night long. So it's not easy to get a shower. You sit there and wait in line for 30, 40 minutes. Well, I don't know. As an adventure bike rider I, at a rally, I didn't, uh, you know, I don't always need a shower. So yeah, I don't really solution. want you coming by my booth either. Well, you know. If you're not bathing. That's uh, in this uh, new era of social distancing. That'll be just fine for everybody. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and with COVID-19, you can lose your sense of smell. So, hey, who cares, huh? See, yeah. You might not even need that shower truck after all. That's a, uh, that's a money saver there, but... Well, what about, uh, you know, and you, you talked about some of the, uh, obviously, all the past road trip and Sasquatch tours are available. You can get the GPS links at store.soundrider.com and uh, get the tour book as well. And I don't know if you've heard or not, but January was actually one of the hottest Januaries again. And like the last decade for many of the area dealers here, I know in Washington. So I think a lot of people are going to be out and riding. And I think that those you know, shameless plug for you here, but I think that those self-guided tour books are something that our listeners, if they haven't checked them out already, might be interested in because it's you know, a great opportunity to ride at your own pace and on your own schedule. And maybe if you're lucky enough to have some 
flexible vacation time. You can take middle of the week off and go and ride those and even less crowds out there. Yeah, like we talked about a few months ago, the uh, road trip tour from last year is actually you could you could do three days of it right in the Puget Sound, or you could just break it into three different rides. So you, you'd get some some great information there and some great roads to ride. I love all those roads that we used up in Snohomish, out in Island County, uh, all up in Skagit County. So many great roads. So many great roads, and I think that's something I'm really going to try to be more diligent about this year. You know, I get so sort of uh, honed in on trying to plan these, you know, five-day, six-day, seven-day adventures. But I think just some simple overnights and chipping away at some longer routes and some longer expeditions over three or four summer weekends is is a smart approach. I remember one time um, I took off from Seattle uh, in the morning on Saturday. And I went and attempted to ride to the top of Mount Baker. Well, not to the top of Mount Baker, but to the parking area at the top. And uh, as I rode up through uh, Glacier, the little town of Glacier, uh, it started raining. And it was raining really, really hard. And this was pretty – this is 20 years – 23 years ago. Um, And I got up to – I got on the road going toward the top, and it was just like, this is ridiculous. I turned the bike around and left. And I went down and got a uh, motel room in Bellingham and had dinner and rode back home on Sunday morning. And because that trip was so goofed up, it was like a week or two later, I did it all over again. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. So it's just stuff like that, you know, that's, that's, it's just great to get out and ride and forget about everything that's going on. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about, and, you know, I think about it all the time, but more so in recent months than in past years, just wondering about maybe adding something that's a little more touring capable, uh, just for longer distances, just cause it's so tough to get out of town on the DR three fifty. um, with the limited capacity. So who knows? Maybe this will be the year that uh, oh, we add. Year Derek might get a new bike. Well, it wouldn't be a new. It would be an addition. I, the DR350 is, uh, it, it's never going anywhere at this point. It's too, I'm too committed to that motorcycle to ever get rid of it. But maybe in addition, we'll see. Are you guys like married? Uh, marriage, uh, that it doesn't even begin to describe the, uh, the intimacy level of our, our relationship. Oh my God. Is it in, is you take it to bed with you at night? It is a spiritual bond, uh, Tom, (laughs) that uh, very few are, are lucky enough to have. I'm sure that, uh, our friend, uh, Marcus Uracy's had a horse that he felt equally as fond about and rode from bakery to bakery. Gosh, I, I hope your Christmas card this year is going to be really fun. You know, maybe picture you in the DR350 in your bed. I don't know. I got to keep them warm. What can I tell you? It's but you know, with all that snowfall around here and those carbureted engines, I'm not going to sit out there and, you know, choke that thing for a couple hours. The so. landlord's okay when you bring it in at night? Well, you know, you just you don't ask, don't tell. That's the policy. <laughs> but we'll see. I, I, uh, I, I, I've been uh, very, very interested. A couple of things have popped up over the last year, and I'm like, God, I'd really like to buy that bike. And then I, ultimately I don't do it. But uh, I, the, the, 
the urge has been stronger than in years past. Well, and you know what? If especially if you're buying used, if you buy a bike that you think you've got your mindset to get, and it's a used bike, and you don't like it six months later, you just turn around and sell it for basically the same amount of money. I've sold motorcycles for twice what I paid for them before. You no, you're it. absolutely right. Yeah, I think uh, at least holding its value, especially right now, you know, the used market, I guess that's maybe a, a double-edged sword, but the used market is uh, pretty limited in what's available. Mm-hmm. Um, dealers in particular are having a real tough time of trying to keep, you know, good inventory in stock uh, just because there was such a run on motorcycles last year. So you think on one hand, you might pay a little bit of a premium, but uh, on the other hand, maybe that holds its value as that, uh, assuming that that market stays tight for the for the years ahead, so yeah, yeah. In fact, I think pretty much every used bike I've owned, I've always sold for more than I paid for it. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. All right. Um, why don't we take a little break and we'll come back with some news bites. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Valentine Motorworks, Seattle's independent service shop specializing in BMW motorcycles and beyond. Call or visit them to discuss your next service or restoration project soon. Find them online at valentinemotorworks.com. Hi, I'm Dan. One of my favorite rides is Chuckanut to Bellingham at 6 a.m. or just when the sun's coming up and there's no traffic on the road. Hello, this is Bill Woods with Sodium Distortion Racing. You're here listening to The Sound Rider Show. Sound Rider Show. And, uh, well, like uh, months past, the calendar is light, but News Bites continues to go strong with both local and national uh, items of relevance. And I guess, why don't we start right here in our backyard in Seattle with Filson? Yeah, so Filson, the clothing company, we talked about this eh, maybe a year ago on the show that they were going to come with a motorcycle lineup. And uh, they did. They got motorcycle some, apparel lineup. Yeah, just apparel. In case anybody was, yeah. Yeah, they're going to start building Filson motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, they're all leather. Get the, get the new twelve ninety Filson. You'll That's love right. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's made with like pure Pendleton cloth and. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's very uh, bespoke. So, uh, so they have this apparel lineup now. They got some pants. They got some jackets. They've got a vest. Uh, they just came with a tool roll and a backpack. And uh, they also partnered with Bell Helmets to make a Filson exclusive helmet. I don't know. It it seems kind of odd to me. What do you think about it? You know, I'm actually – I'm a fan, I, and, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I don't mind uh, – I, I, there is some crossover here. I mean, this is all, a, you know, targeting this sort of – adventure demographic which you and i of course are are familiar with and i think that there's a i think that there's a something of a play here for them uh just to introduce 
and their existing customers and to maybe bring in some some non-current customers from another realm here. So I like it. I mean, the stuff looks good. Filson makes good stuff. It's not, you know, your typical motorcycle brand where you'll find maybe the highest uh, dedication to things like venting and uh, and armor and that kind of stuff. But I like it. I mean, it looks it looks very stylish and I'm sure it's I'm sure it's well made. And, you know, I'm looking right now. This is the most interesting piece to me is this Filson branded bell helmet. It's two hundred and sixty five bucks. I mean, that's that's not bad. Yeah. Because, you know, like if you want one of their shirts, those, those are like $200 for a Filson shirt now. Yeah, well, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a premium brand, but it looks like uh, their jackets are right between 450 and 495 So, that, you know, that, if you're going to get a higher there. end, if you're going to get a higher end Revit or uh, Alpen Stars or Climb or something like that, that's in that ballpark, but probably a little different use case here i would say but it looks good so you know more the merrier people that are out there celebrating the sport i I like it well i think the folks at filson need to send us a little care package what do you think i mean we need to do a review on this product yeah we'll do a uh do a full on get you head to toe in the uh alcan quilted jacket alcan double front pants and the uh the uh, filson bell helmet yeah yeah send us one send us one of everything yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it is neat. What are your thoughts, though? I mean, I like I said, I like it. I, I'm I'm all for it. But I just think it's odd they're going into that market. That they're coming into the motorcycle market. I mean, they, you know, they've always just sort of been in the classic clothing business, and sure. and uh, I guess that's not enough for them. And and somebody in there loves motorcycles and loves, you know, probably adventure touring. And is uh, is kind of probably the engine behind all this. We'll have to do some more digging. Yeah, to have to, we'll have to figure out see if we can't get a little a little behind the scenes here. But uh, but you know, worth worth at least taking a look. It's a local company here, so yeah. Yeah, I'll worth. start I'll start ringing up the phone next week. There you go. We'll see if we can get an article together for Soundwriter. Uh, what else is happening? Let's see. Um, the folks at Beaverton Motorcycles, which is outside of Portland, Oregon, long-time dealer. I think they've been around since, like, 1960. Wow. Uh, Bob Lanfear, Bob Lanfear Jr., and uh, Bob Lanfear, the original owner of, of Beaverton Motorcycles, he's now passed away. And he was a big racing fanatic. And uh, Junior was a racing fanatic as well. And so these guys are putting a little support behind a guy named Davis Fisher. And uh, they'll be supporting him on the 2021 Progressive American Flat Track Mission Super Twins class. So I don't know what he'll be riding. Didn't say in the press releases that I did. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think – flat trackers out there right now who is uh, as far as motorcycles are concerned who's leading the way i mean i guess most of it's all has to be custom modified and that kind of thing anyway but you mean in terms of manufacturers yeah like who's who's winning the the flat track rounds right now do you know indian in the in the super twins hands down huh yeah Okay. I mean, I know the FTR obviously is a, an impressive motorcycle but i wasn't sure how that was translating to well, and you Racing see, it's it's different if you're doing the Super Twins, which is going to be like the, like, you know, Harley's was always in that one. 
And then uh, Indian came in and just basically pummeled them. Um, and then, and then for a long time, Harley was supporting racers who were riding uh, Rotax-powered machines, which were oh, not right. super twins. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't really follow it that closely. And you know, it's interesting because what we do when we go to the rally is we always run the highlights from all the big races of the year. And I didn't have to put that reel together this year because we didn't have a rally. So I had to kind of get lost on what's really going on if I don't put those reels together. Yeah, what'd you do with the other six weeks at a time? Yeah, well, I I, uh, <laughs> I walked dogs the whole there you six go. weeks. Well, that's a, uh, that's a good way <laughs> to put that time to use, but... Yeah, but it's always cool when you see a uh, a local dealer, you know, getting behind, um, getting behind a racer, and you know, trying to uh, keep powering the sport. And I kind of feel like there's been maybe sort of a minor resurgence in flat tracking. I hear a lot more about it. I feel like than I did five years ago, but that, that could just be my experience. Oh, I'd love to see it come back. You know, I, we we back at the turn of the century into the 21st century, we had uh, flat track races down at Emerald Downs. Oh, and they yeah. moved over to uh, the Tacoma Dome, and then they were gone. We have little flat track races all the time, as you know, because we announce them on the calendar. But we, yeah. ha- we haven't had any national events in, in the Puget Sound area for a while. So I hope to come back. Yeah, well, that goes for flat track and uh, others, uh, IMS, if you're listening. So we were talking earlier about us not going to the BMW rally, but um, there was another rally scheduled for June that has changed. Uh, give us a, give us an update on all that. Yeah, so I'm sure a lot of our uh, listeners have attended in the past, but the Tour Tech rally has been tentatively rescheduled from June to September the 16th to the 19th. So that's just something to keep on your radar there. And, of course, everybody is just trying to evaluate what the situation is going to look like ahead. And hopefully, fingers crossed, things will come together because I always enjoy uh, being out there at this rally. And, um, you know, and who knows, too, maybe in the future they'll find out that September is a, is a better time to do it. So we'll, we'll see. But we'll keep an eye on it here. As long as it's not too smoky, could be a better time. Very true. And hopefully with all the snowfall this year, it'll be a less uh, – smoky year than some of the years past but again that's never never any guarantee we know that yeah no i mean out of the last four summers we've had three smoky endings to the summer kind of yeah it has been uh it's been kind of a tough a tough stretch here um we could really use about a decade off from that i think that would be okay <laughs> <Yeah>. with me <laughs> and you know i i I've lived here in the Pacific Northwest since 1997. I've been visiting here since 1990. I had never seen the kind of smoke we had over those three years that we had it. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's um, a strange phenomenon. I don't you know, I don't know how much we can speculate on that. And we, even if we could, what we could do about it, we just kind of hope it doesn't interfere with any of our planned rallies or motorcycle touring trips because it certainly is you know when you go on those rides and it is a little hazy and then you go on the rides afterwards where it's not hazy it's just like oh yeah like the views are such a big part of it yeah yeah well (laughs) that's true i mean i've done tours where it's just smoky the whole time that's no fun 
And and you sit there at dinner and you tell people how beautiful the place is they went today, but they're like, I I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all just looks like fog to me. So uh, speaking of new bikes, uh, the uh, Pan America from Harley Davidson has been officially issued. Yeah, they did a big uh, sort of press release on what was that? Probably, I think it was February twenty first or February twenty second. Mm-hmm. Did you watch it as they unveiled it? Oh no, I didn't. Okay, I missed. It. I watched. Did you go back and watch any of the video content or anything that they put around the release? I will. So here's what I will tell you. I and look, I I have been a supporter of this Pan America. Since uh, its inception and kind of concept came to my attention, I like it when motorcycle manufacturers take sort of bold chances. And I think that that's one of the criticisms that we as riders always have with, you know, most notably, I guess, probably the Japanese OEMs is that, yeah, we love their motorcycles, but we're always like, you know, once they make them, they really ride that train until it uh, <laughs> until it comes to its sort of self-imposed to stop. They don't oftentimes seem to be so aggressive in creating new things. So for Harley to take a bold chance like this, I like. And the video content that they released around it, they probably did like 15 or 20 minutes of video um, as part of this release on, uh, you know, as they sort of did it kind of pseudo live. But I was a fan of it. They talked a lot about Harley's heritage and how, you know, a lot of, uh, Harley Davidson's back in the day was kind of the original adventure bike. You know, they're probably embellishing a little bit, but just back in the early days, people riding these and, you know, these rutted wagon roads and really just kind of taking them wherever they wanted to go. And I liked it. I liked what they did with the release. I liked the story that they told. And quite honestly, I like the motorcycle. I'm not saying that it would be my first choice, but I think they did a good job. So can I dig this up on YouTube? Uh, yeah, in fact, I think you can still find it on the Pan American launch site. Okay. So if you go to their website, I think you can watch it. But they put together, I thought, some really cool video content, kind of going through the lineage a little bit. And, uh, I, you know, I, they did a good job telling the story. Whether or not the market's going to be receptive, we'll see on that. Well, gee, you know, throughout the pandemic, I mean, I haven't had any time to watch videos of you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's uh it definitely gives you some opportunity to to catch up on it because, you know, everybody's best intentions for self-improvement that certainly uh went by the wayside pretty fast. Well, I'm going to watch that. Um I did I did see a quote from the CEO who said that it was the first American-made adventure bike and I was like uh, does somebody forget about the XB12X? Because that was the Buell Adventure motorcycle. So was that is that the Ulysses? Is that yeah the moniker? That, okay, I'm yeah. just I'm trying to think back and uh, I, yeah, I mean technically yes, that does fall under the envelope. Although that was a pretty brief window. Well, it was, but it was it it did happen, and it did happen under Harley Davidson because Harley Davidson owned Buell at that time, so. Yeah, well, well, they got that. Maybe one they wrong, didn't maybe, brief the guy properly. I don't know. But what did you think? What did you think of the? Uh, did you have a chance to look at the specifications here, and I know we got a we got a few more news bites to get to, and I could talk about the Pan America for 
for probably an hour. But well, weight wise, it's kind of chunky. But there's no difference between that and uh, the the large GS models, weight wise. Yeah, I mean, about 550 pounds is what's being reported, right? Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that they were saying that it'll, you know, it'll have a top speed of 135 miles an hour, so fast is fun again. I'm like, huh? Now <laughs> we're talking about how fast you could go on an adventure bike. Yeah, well, I think those GSs can go about 160, can't they? I don't know. Yeah. But I don't see BMW use that as a selling point. No, but, you know, they're... They are definitely trying to – I think uh, a decent portion of the customer base for this is going to buy it just because they like the way it looks. It's kind of got a tough a tough appearance, and they probably will ride it on uh, the pavement much – I mean, most adventure bike riders do, I guess. But I think particularly for this segment, I think people are going to be drawn to the looks and kind of the idea of it, but uh, will probably spend a lot of time on the pavement. So it's important that it does – handle well there i mean top speed's not indicative of that but well you know 20 years ago 25 years ago when um harley davidson released the buell brand um there was a backlash at the dealers yeah and it was it was almost primarily from the employees who didn't really want to have anything to do with a sport bike company because they were in the business of selling touring bikes cruiser bikes street bikes they didn't want to sell sport bikes. And so here they were. They were handed these sport bikes to sell. And um, and there was, there was a bit of a black backlash from the employees themselves. And, you know, when, when uh, Harley cut the line out, it was like, ah, oh, thank God that's over. And I kind of thought, well, that's, that's kind of kooky. And, you know, um, when we look at our demographics on Soundwriter of who reads the magazine, uh, anybody who owns a Harley-Davidson as well as another brand, that other brand is almost always a BMW. Yep. So this is going to bring Harley around into being competitive with BMW. Uh, and, you know, BMW is trying to be competitive with Harley with their bagger bikes and that sort of thing. They always yeah. try to do that. The R18, yeah, for so, sure. Interesting uh, watching all this going on. It is, but it's fun. You know, like I, uh, and I, I give the same credit to uh, BMW for the R18 as I give to Harley for the Pan America, which is, hey, take a chance. Do something a little bit different. You know, you got good people working for you and good brand recognition. Let's not uh, – Let's not add fuel injection and uh, 40 pounds and call it the all-new 2021 KLR 650. <laughs> not that right. there's anything wrong with that either, but just on the, on the opposite end of the spectrum. I gotcha. Hey, uh, let's take a little break, and then we'll come back with some more news bites. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible by... The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, the Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com slash rally. Hi, I'm Mark from Seattle. I ride an R12 GS, and I like to ride around Mount St. Helens. Hey everybody, this is Lee from Racer Gloves USA, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Hey 
welcome back to the Sound Rider Show. And the second part of News Bites, we got going so much there on the end of uh, the previous segment uh, that we're going to launch right in here to our fifth topic. And speaking of welcoming back, Buell Motorcycles. Tom, <laughs> what's the latest? Uh, it's crazy, you know. You, you, you always hear them coming back again and again and again. Uh, but this time, uh, the, the, the name has been purchased as well as the EBR name has been purchased. And uh, Buell will be coming back without Eric Buell. So somebody got paid off. I don't know who. But it's a, a group out of the East Coast called LAP. And they are going to come with a model this year, an 1190. And then uh, supposed to have 10 new models by 2024 is their plan. Well, so, that's pretty ambitious. Yeah, it is. Um, takes a lot of money to do that. So I hope they have a lot of money. Well, you know, I'm I'm so fascinated by by this coming back because it almost makes me wonder. And I don't really know. You know, I'm not too plugged into the history of the previous iterations of Buell motorcycles. But I don't. Did the did the previous iteration go bankrupt? Like, did somebody just scoop up the name for you know 500k and then they found this new investment group that wanted to start a motorcycle company and they said, hey, I'll sell you. Eric Buell's name for $2 million. Like, is this just a case of arbitrage here? Because what, well, what that's other... kind of how it happened. Yeah, Because um, well, there's no, like, I mean, all the models are too old, right? You're not going to re-release anything. So they, 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 you know, they were with Harley-Davidson, and then they, the Harley-Davidson closed it down. And so they got out on their own and did it. And two or three times they, they shut it down and sold it off to a liquidator, who happened to be like the next guy who was going to open it up? <laughs> this is like crazy uh, way of moving inventory and money around, and that game got played. Uh, I think it was twice, and then uh, now we've got this this new investment group, and we've seen other brands get tossed around it's kind of a similar way um look at the norton brand that's been tossed around i can't tell you i i think i've been to four or five different motorcycle shows where i see the next iteration of norton's yep it's like okay okay well hey that that prototype looks pretty good and then you know three months later it's like oh that didn't work out <coughs> so i don't know well, yeah. well, we'll just have to follow it and see where it goes. And, and you know, when you do that, you have to open up dealers. So you have to get a dealer network. And that's not easy to do right now. I mean, look in Washington State. We don't really have a lot of Triumph dealers. I think we have four or five now. Yes. And that's Triumph, and that's a big name in, in comparison to something like you know, EBR or, uh, or Norton or. Yeah, sure. Or, you know, Moto Guzzi, we've got one here yeah. in Washington, right? So, exactly. Uh, and maybe even only one in the Pacific Northwest now. I don't know. Does Idaho have anything? I think the. No, uh, Idaho doesn't have anything. Yeah. And I think the Portland, uh, affiliate has since gone under if I, if I remember correctly, yep. but 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So a real challenge there. But uh, again, you know, I'm I'm all for it. Anytime people want to come out with new motorcycles, I think it's a, I think it's a great thing. My question is, is there any truth to the uh, to the rumor that you personally will be trying to revive the Modus brand? Well, I'm not supposed to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh confidentiality agreements. We'll have to edit that out in yeah. post. But, uh, yeah, I, I better remember to edit that before we put the show up. <laughs> uh, but uh, but good luck to this new investment group, and uh, you know I hope. Um, did I see some rumor too that they're actually you know speaking of the Ulysses in the last segment? Are they going to try to do an adventure bike? Yeah, thing? yeah, they yeah. have an adventure bike in the lineup that they're going to supposedly come with. So, but it, it is all based around the 1190 motor. But I think they've done an update on that motor. So, yep, new paint and graphics. <laughs> no, I think there's some new technology in there. Yeah, kind of got to have new technology on that motor. Yeah, because we're talking what? At least what? Twenty years now? How long? Yeah, and then you know, you, you you get people sniffing around like the EPA, and they don't like the smog numbers on it, so they're going to make you rework the motor over again anyway. True. So very true. And just one last note on this Buell thing here. I I I was uh, considering buying this Buell project bike. And uh, I was talking to Jose up at Skagit Power Sports, and his advice was do not buy a Buell. Parts are impossible <laughs> to find. I'll tell you one thing about Jose. He usually lays it out pretty straight. If he thinks yeah. a bike is bunk, he'll say it. I don't know if he says it to customers, but he says it to me, and he says it yeah. to you. Yeah, I think he, I, he was right, too, of course. you know, I mean, Buell has been, you know, for the previous iteration, defunct for so long now, and that is the reputation they have, but. It didn't happen, so. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else is new? Hey, you know, as long as you're having a pandemic, let's make some new race suits. So Dionysi has two new race suits in the, coming to market now. Uh, one of them is a full leather suit, and the other one's a perforated suit. I haven't well, actually they, seen these in the flesh. but They continue to uh, deliver. I mean, their reputation for quality race suits in particular is, uh, I mean, you would have to say probably second to none, right? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good brand for that. I mean, I, I think the Alpenstar's product's really good too. True, true. Um, yeah. We still got the shop down there, right? Is that yep. still happening? Down in South Seattle, yes, yeah. they do in uh, Pioneer Square neighborhood here. Yeah, so go and go and check them out. And and when I say I haven't seen them in the flesh, you know they're made out of cowhide, so literally they are. Uh, when you see them, you'll see them in the flesh. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, just to to get back to the, the whole suit thing, though, for um, versus some of the other brands, I think one of the strengths is their custom works fittings. Right, that's one of the huge benefits of stores like these. Yeah, you go in and they measure like 30 different parts of your body, right? Yeah, because that's obviously, if you're going to be rolling around at 150 miles an hour, you can't have any wiggle room in that suit. You need that, uh, that fit to be, uh, to be very next to skin, like yeah. uh, if, you, if it's going to be effective anyway. And I know Aerostitch does that too. Oh, true, yeah. You, you, they tell you online you know, how to take all the measurements of your body. Uh, sometimes they do their pop-up stores, but they haven't done that in a while. But I, I knew somebody that, that got custom fitted for an arrow stitch, and uh, when the suit arrived, uh, 
she said that basically it looked like like the back of her pants were full. Ah. Because they miscalculated a couple of adjustments back there. I got you. I thought you were going to say it. it took so long to get the suit that they put on 20 pounds. So it arrived. <laughs> so they didn't fit it. Hey, yeah. you know what? That's an interesting point. Um, I've, I've always had Rich do my custom seats at Rich's Motorcycle Seats. Of course. And, uh, and you know, usually when I have him do them, it's like summertime, and I've been out running around, and I'm and my weight's down, and Rich cuts my seat, and then you know, winter comes, and I, I I probably eat too much turkey at Thanksgiving, too much pumpkin pie, whatever, and I go out and I sit on my motorcycle in January. I'm like, this seat doesn't fit me at all, and you know, the reason is because I'm about ten pounds up from where I was when he fitted me for the seat <laughs> that's what when you go to get a seat in the summertime uh rich should give you one of those like a live strong bracelet that you can wear that just says you know eat light and that every time you go to reach for that cookie you remember hey wait a minute i just invested in this seat i don't want to put on any weight and spoil it <laughs> yeah so that you know that's a, that's a point for the listeners is if if you've had a custom seat made or you got a custom suit made and then you go out for your first ride in the spring and nothing fits. It's like, well, probably that's your problem, not, yeah. the, not the seat maker or the suit maker. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But uh, Rich doesn't make a heck of a seat. So if you're he makes great seats. Yeah, and you want yeah. a little more touring comfort, uh, don't hesitate to go check him out. So, uh, yeah, every time I get a new bike, I always go over to Rich and uh, I saw today where uh, Motoguchi is going to release some new V7s into the market. No specs yet on them, but they looked really nice in the photographs. And, and you and I have talked before about how beautiful the Motoguchis are that come to market these days. It, uh, it really is. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the entire lineup. And... Um... I'm always excited by the V7, and I think I, I haven't seen any real specs on it yet either, but the indication is that uh, they're bumping up the horsepower. I think the CC, and they've said upgraded suspension from what I can see so far. Ah, okay. Well, you're going to need that around this town. Yeah, definitely the, <laughs> the suspension part. And, you know, they, they, those old uh, 750 motors, they, they'd benefit probably from another 10 or 15 horsepower. So that's not a bad thing. Oh, yeah. With the success that they had with the V85 and kind of reworking that motor, I'm sure that probably played a part in it because those V85s are putting out, I think, about 85 or 90 horsepower. Yeah, that's all you need. I only, I only need like 45 horsepower, and I'm good. I yeah, it's it's true, you know, forty five fifty horsepower is uh it's just about right. I've been I've taken to starting to describe uh, you know, many of my favorite motorcycles as agricultural. Uh that's kind of <laughs> what I like. A little a little tractor feel to them, you know. You mean if you could if you if you could use them to plow a field, it's a good bike, is that what you mean? That's what I mean exactly, <laughs> yeah. If you can't uh if you can't plow and seed a field, I mean how are you going to get through the apocalypse? I can show you a field in Skagit County that's still plowed by two mules. <laughs> Is that where they're growing tulips? You've got to go on one of my tricky little back roads to find it. Well, I may take you up on that this summer. We'll have to see. <laughs> 
Uh, and speaking of crazy stuff like that, um, it looks like uh, Honda is uh, going to be moving into the electric motorcycle business. And uh, they're filing all their patents right now. And one of the patents they filed is for an electric motorcycle with a quadcopter drone that can be released off the back of the bike. What's that all about? Well, so I don't know. Is this just for, like, self-filming? Is that the idea that you're riding down the road and you go, oh, this is a great stretch of highway. I need to film myself on it. So you just, like, flip up that little ejection seat cover from the James Bond car, but instead of ejecting you, you flick the switch and it deploys your drone? So the speculation from one publication is that it would assist with navigation. I'm like, oh, wait a second. How fast can a quadcopter fly? Can a quadcopter go 60 miles an hour? I don't think so. Not if it's going to fit on the bike. I think you're limited to probably about 30 miles an hour, right? Yeah. And then and then uh, let's take it down to the Columbia River Gorge on a sort of <laughs> semi-breezy day and see how it does there. So I, I think, you know, maybe you could buy the extra insurance so if you lose the quadcopter, you get it replaced for no extra charge or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is, I guess at this point, this is just a, uh, maybe just a gimmick, maybe just something to get this uh, electric motorcycle in the news and just kind of get a little buzz around it. It doesn't seem. Yeah, buzz. So, yeah, right. <laughs> Unless I guess, unless it's a dual, is it an electric dual sport motorcycle? Are they? Uh, I mean, it looked like a it looked like a street bike. Okay, I don't know if that's for like, like uh, maybe have your police officer launch it off the back so he can investigate a crime scene before he actually physically puts himself in harm's way. Yeah, or maybe they're on Greenwood Avenue. It's got a pothole detection mode. Sometimes when I'm out walking the dogs, you know, there's a kid with a a drone flying it around. I just want to grab it out of the air and throw it to the ground. So I don't know what will happen with these electric quadcopter bikes. Well, I don't think that the market is going to slow down anytime soon. I think that uh, we've uh, crossed the event horizon and we are a drone future, to say the least. You know, I always like to call dealers and uh, ask them uh, kind of questions that throw them for a loop. Like, um, I used to call one of the Harley shops, and I used to, if I got the right guy on the phone, I'd say, Hey, uh, have you got the two-stroke conversion kit for the 883? And it's like, what? What are you talking about? So now I just want to start calling all the Honda shops and say, uh, when are you going to have the quadcopter electric bike? I want to put my money down now. Yeah. Uh, I, if you're going to do that, record it. I guess that would be. <laughs> <laughs> I we'll would, play uh, it back. Yeah, I'd like to know the, the response <laughs> to some of those. So. Well, let's see. Um, well, that's what Honda's up to this month. And then uh, last month, you and I had a discussion about the uh, Ducati Scramblers and how they were coming with, I think it was five for 2022, including a new sort of a adventure duel. It really was like a dirt bike. But uh, now Triumph has announced a whole new Bonneville line for 2022. 
No dual sports in there, but there will be six different variants, including like a bobber and a retro and a street bike and uh, the T110s, the T120s. So if you're a, a Triumph fan, you may want to check this out. Yeah, you know, and I am a fan. I like uh, what Triumph has done with this line over the last couple of years. And I, and it, it's kind of, you know, a little bit of reminiscence of uh, Moto Guzzi we talked about earlier. And that's just kind of a classic, uh, manageable, low-seat height, great-looking motorcycle. And uh, by all accounts, they've had terrific success with, you know, the uh, revitalization of the Bonneville line, which, I don't know, when did they do that, 10 years ago now? Yeah. It's been a while. But uh but I, I like it, you know. I you know, Triumph is actually they're doing a lot of little tweaks to their entire lineup this year. I think we're also gonna see a thirteen hundred CC three cylinder Triumph Tiger this year as well. Hmm. That's a that's an awfully large beast to put on the on the road. But you know what? Uh in terms of, of uh of an adventure bike, um but you know what the Triumph Tigers are really good for? What's that? Converting them into sidecars. Oh, no kidding. I have yeah. heard that. They're really good bikes to do that with. They got they got the horsepower, they got the stamina and the frame. They're uh they're quite good for that. I can see that. I mean, you've got you're you're right, you know. And I think uh, there's a few people out there who, somewhat similarly, have converted uh, Tenere 1200s to sidecar rigs. With uh, good that would success. make sense. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's some parallels, there's some crossover there that I can see in dimensions and power. So, um, yeah, if you don't need that uh, sidecar to have a drive engagement, then you're good to go. They should come with a with an official OEM version of the of the Tiger in a sidecar. I, I would be very interested to see the design on that because uh, Triumph motorcycles are beautiful, and uh, it would be very cool to see them to do that, even just as a limited edition. Although you know, I might be more interested in putting a sidecar on a Scrambler twelve hundred uh, EXC. Yeah, that would be pretty rad, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the frame would really be very happy about it, though. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's take a little break, and we'll come back with some tips and tricks. Support for the Soundwriters Show is provided in part by... Rock straps. Tired of bungee cords that fray and break? You need to up your game with the number one tie-down among riders. Rock straps make it easy to get the right fit, no matter how large or small the load you're securing. Order a pair today from the Soundwriter store at store.soundwriter.com. I'm Roy Barnes. I ride a BMW F650GS uh, 2009 with 130-some thousand miles on it. My favorite ride is wherever the road goes. Hi, my name is Russ. I'm with Trail Tale, and welcome to the Soundwriter Show. <laughs> Rolling on into the final segment here on the March edition of the Sound Riders Show. And you know, 
that we would never leave you without a couple more tips and tricks. So, Are you rolling in on a three-wheel or a two-wheel? I am uh, rolling in on my quadcopter-equipped unicycle, <laughs> and I am ready to deploy. So, uh, Yeah, So, but, you know, hey, this is uh, spring kickoff. You know, March 20th is going to be first day of spring, so they're expecting uh, some good tips and tricks. What do you got, Tom? Well, I don't know if it's applicable towards spring, but it's uh, applicable any time of the year. Uh, with the whole pandemic, um, I, I don't know if we're really hearing about this much yet, but there's absolutely certain that the crime rate is rising. And uh, the particularly, particularly the building where I live was breached three times Jeez. in ways we've never even imagined. Uh, people were scaling. Somebody scaled the wall of our building, and and got in at the third floor because he, he. I don't know. This guy goes to like those cross training things or whatever, but he he managed to weasel his way up the iron bars into the third floor and got in the building. Unbelievable. And then got into the electrical room and the storage spaces and all this stuff. And so you got to really button up your buildings, but. Um, one of the things I did was I went out and I got a Dremel. Now, our garage has been breached in the past, and many, many years ago, I had luggage stolen off a motorcycle. So um, now I have the Dremel, and I'm just going to start Dremeling everything. I'm going to Dremel my batteries for my power tools with my either my license or my auto uh, license plate number. Uh, but also, um, all that luggage on my bikes that I can't store inside, uh, I'm going to start dremeling that up with identification stuff. And uh, lots of people have nice aftermarket accessories on their motorcycles. I've had exhaust systems stolen off of motorcycles. So, uh, you know, the more information that you put on, obviously, yeah, they can they can grind it out if they see it. But sometimes they won't see it, and then they'll try to sell it on Craigslist or Facebook or whatever. And at least you got something out there, hopefully, that somebody can trace back to you. Maybe you maybe you'll get your item recovered. Maybe not. But uh, hey, you know it's a pandemic. What are you gonna do? Dremel everything. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Dremel everything. That's a uh, that's a good tip. And you know, to piggyback on that for a second, I had. Uh, kind of talked about earlier that i was you know kind of dreaming about maybe buying a second motorcycle and part of that equation because of this uptick in crime you know i was just thinking of ways to protect a second motorcycle and i did a little research into some of these gps tracking devices some of the latest ones specifically for motorcycles and it seems like you know, it seems like they're pretty good. You can put one of these on your bike, and the uh, battery will last all year, and it rings your phone directly if it moves. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting, and I think right around the $200 price point. So it's a, it's a shame that we have to think like that, but that is something else to have on your radar. We did get a spot product here uh, in the fall, and uh, it's pretty simple stuff, you know. Not hard to install. Fairly small. Uh, you still need to find a spot where somebody wouldn't locate it immediately. 
But uh, I don't think that thieves are, that's not the first thing they're looking for if they grab your bike. But it won't be long before they're looking for something. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, we got to. Well, I think the thing is, you know, if they hotwire it or they throw it in a van and it starts moving and you can get that, you can get on it immediately, right? There's hopefully you can call the police and they can track it down for you. Right. Right. So I put mine right in the bottom of the gas tank. But, you know, I remember um, phones were getting stolen, what, five years ago? And and those have always had, you know, in the last five years, they've always had uh, – you could always track your phone. And then people would, like, call the police and say, hey, uh, my phone got stolen, but it's over in this person's house over here. And they're like, yeah, so what? That's true. iPads were kind of notorious <laughs> for that as well, right? But- yep. You know, I wonder, there there has to be a dollar amount threshold, though, right? Well, a motorcycle becomes... or a car falls under Grand Theft Auto, so right. that's going to be, that's going to get a little more love, you hope, from law enforcement. Yes, you certainly hope. We don't need a rash of uh, vigilante justice based on these uh, motorcycle theft recoveries. It's just, you know, it's just so unfortunate, you know, and you see it reported every day, you know, on Facebook or something, someone's motorcycle gets stolen off of a city block it's just sitting out there under its cover and somebody comes and you know destroys the ignition or cuts the cable lock or whatever it is it's uh it's really a sad state of affairs yeah yep and it ain't going away anytime soon no it's not so i, I you know uh, one of the reasons crime is up is this is my theory but i think i'm pretty hot on this is um during COVID-19, a lot of petty thefters were released back into the streets. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden you had like like where you had 15 thieves within a square mile. Now you had 90 thieves in a square mile. And it's just like, you know, I don't want to spend my life trying to figure out what their next move is and trying to guard against it. But <coughs> it's happening. It is happening. That's, uh, you know, particularly if you have expensive motorcycles or a collection or whatever it may be, you know, it might be, we mentioned the the aforementioned, uh, uh, well, maybe this was off air, but Seattle used bikes doing storage, and that might be something to look into if you've got uh, a high-value motorcycle that you only ride occasionally. Yeah, they got storage there. They got storage over at Backfire Moto, so... God, you got storage alternatives. Yep, a couple of good choices there for sure. And you know, if you if you got room in the house for your luggage, and get it off the bike, and put it in the house. I don't have much room, so. Yeah, well, you'll have to uh, just mount it to uh, either side of your easy chair, right? Put some ice in there, and hey, now you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our February show. Well, hold on, I haven't oh, offered wait. a tip of drink oh, yet. Oh, I thought I thought that was your tip. Go ahead. Well, that was kind of a piggyback one here. Yeah. I'm going to add on to that real quickly. More that I just, tips. You know, I know. I've just and this is more of a uh, this is more of a suggestion than a tip. So we'll count the last one as a tip. But uh, you know, I've been out and uh, been really looking at a lot of the new 2021 models and a lot of the used bikes out there and that kind of stuff, and really just having fun. Uh, look at looking at motorcycles and taking some time to, to go back and learn a little bit about the history and the engineering and the physics. And it's just been, it's been very enjoyable. So I just wanted to offer that to our listeners that, 
if you haven't taken some time to just kind of go through, uh, you know, motorcycle history, whether that's through the personalities or through the, the lineage of, of a lot of these bikes that have been around for many decades, or to try to get a better understanding of the physics that goes into, you know, operating a motorcycle or the engineering behind, you know, some of the design implements, um, that's a, uh, that's a good way to, to kind of expand your mind and enjoy motorcycling in a different facet. So I'll just, I'll, I'll tag that one on there before we exit a little food for thought as we head into the, the next month. And I would say Wikipedia is a beautiful place. You can, certainly is. You can go and dig up, you know, you want to read about the lineage of the Ducati scramblers or the triumph Bonnevilles. There's, there's pretty much, that's a great place to start. And then, of course, there's a lot of great information from museums and collectors and stuff. So, yeah, it's, ha- have a little fun. I couldn't agree more. That's what we're here for, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're here to have fun and tell you how to put a GPS tracker on your motorcycle. Well, you know, sometimes reality <laughs> has to be mixed in with that. But. <laughs> All right. Now, that's our February show. March uh, or that's our March show. It was, it was heck, it's so good. We'll we'll run it next February too. I don't yeah, know. there you go. But uh, we'll uh, we'll be back in April. No fooling. I don't know. Maybe we'll even have our old buddy in. You know the guy who rode around the Arctic Circle. Right. <laughs> yeah. Somebody like that. There you go. But uh, we'll we'll see y'all back here on the April show. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.